better with that. Let me just kill it. The power uh, shut down. Oh, God. Oh, man. I'm dying here. It's bad. No more. Yeah, no more. I thought it was my laptop. I have it. Uh, microphone, I thought it would sound better, but ah, it turns out it's a piece of crap. Hello, are you still waiting? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, I'm uh, recording. Oh, you are okay, great. Oh, I saw, yep. saw you were recording the call, great. Uh, so let, let me well, let me just introduce the show then. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Silk and Steel podcast. I am your host, Carl Tsa. Today we're going to discuss a very controversial topic about NBA and China. And joining our discussion is our returning guest, Sun Fei Yang. Welcome to the show, Mr. Sun. Thanks for having me back, Carl. Excited to be oh, doing this time. with you Yeah, um, so let's talk about this. Good. Let's just go straight to the topic because this is like the hottest thing right now on the Twitter for the last couple of days. And there are actually people asking me to do an episode just on this. Um, and I, I think it's worth discussion because there's so many facets of the China-U.S. relationship gets involved here. There's like different perceptions, biases, and generally talking past each other. <laughs> and, and, and the very much intertwined uh, US-China economy and culture. Uh, do you want to start, Mr. Sun? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess like, I'm really, I'm really surprised by how this all started. Like, I, I don't know what General Mori was thinking when he tweeted that. You know, you go through his Twitter, you look at his other posts before that, it's all very vanilla stuff. Nothing controversial. Did you no give politics. us a, for, for our audience who may not be, I don't know why they wouldn't be, but, you know, because I, I assuming like Americans all know about this controversy, yeah, but sure. I might have some international audiences who not might not be pervy to, you know, the American domestic squabbles. So can you give us a brief rundown of the history of the NBA China controversy? Sure. So I think it was like early October, the uh, general manager of the Houston Rockets, so not the coach, but the, the guy who's in charge of player trade, contracts, things like that. He just made this tweet in support of the Hong Kong protest, something like stand with Hong Kong, like a little image or something, and then deleted it a couple of hours later, but not before Basically, everyone had seen it. Even the owner of the Houston Rockets quote tweeted it and said, hey, uh, Daryl Morey doesn't speak for the Houston Rockets organization. And, you know, that's how it really all started. There was a big reaction in China, um, and then there was a big counter-reaction from the United States as well. Uh, yeah, because Houston Rockets and NBA are huge in China. I mean... NBA actually spent a lot of time and effort to cultivate that relationship. That's how, you know, they got Yao Ming to play for the Rockets. 
uh, you know, they spend a long time to to finally grow into a multi-billion-dollar business in China. There's there's a lot of money involved, and I have, I mean, I have no idea why Moray just decided to tweeted that out. I mean, okay, I guess. Sure, freedom of speech, right? Anybody is entitled to their freedom of speech on the internet. But I'd like to remind people, in the U.S., we don't really have freedom of speech in the workplace, right? Because Moray, he's a representative of MBA, and MBA, at the end of the day, is a business. It's a business with a large customer base in China. You know, a lot of Americans are upset because they feel,、uh, you know, this uproar by Chinese fans against、uh, Mori's comments and 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 the consequent retaliatory measure taken by China is、uh, somehow a violation of Americans' inherent freedom of speech. But w- wait a minute here, you know, we don't really have freedom of speech in the workplace. Yes. Theoretically, we have freedom of speech. You know, we can supposedly say whatever we want, but you know, it's not.、Uh, you know, just tr- any any Americans who or who, anybody who have worked in U.S. for an extended period of time would know that. You know, there are certain limits to your freedom of speech at workplace, right? I mean, like, like uh, uh, I, 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 especially. In in a sports like a big、uh, professional sports, we have a vivid example with this with NFL with、uh, with Kaepernick, right? And I I don't but people just go crazy on on Twitter, and and I think you really exemplify the current U.S. China relationship right now. There's a lot of misunderstandings. There's a lot of Uh, ignorance. There's a lot of xenophobia.、Um, yeah, absolutely.、Uh, what do you think? No, I I think the I think Maury didn't really expect this response. First of all, if you look at his Twitter before, he he has not posted much political at all. He he just posts like feel good, you know, sports tweets, you know, things about players, gymnastics. Like you know, it's a it's a very vanilla corporate account, like you would expect from. Any other high-profile blue checkmark Twitter account that is not politics-focused. So, I think he kind of thought it as like, oh, this is just like a nice, you know, something that everyone agrees on, like you know, prostate cancer awareness or something like that. When he was tweeting, I don't think he really thought about that. Hey, you know, people might react poorly to this. So, <laughs> I, I really think、uh, he you, caught you think, guard. You think he was taking? He thought he was taking a. a A safe stance on、uh, something that's safe, but he he, he、yeah. doesn't realize the impact.、Uh, He's never taken any controversial positions before on his Twitter. Like there's nothing political about his Twitter account. You know he's he he went to he, he worked for the Rockets for about like 12 years now, right? He's been an executive in a very public facing role for a long time. He knows all of this, but he doesn't just suddenly decide, hey, you know what, Sway, I'm going to be a political activist. Like I. If you've been doing that your whole career, sure, you know I, I understand that. But this really just seems like he just one day is like, oh, you know, people are sharing this Hong Kong thing. We're in Asia, right? Hong Kong's in Asia. I'm going to share this too. So I, <laughs> I really don't think a lot of thought went into this tweet. 
actually that, that actually makes a lot more sense because um, you know there's a big perception about the Hong Kong protests in the West and in mainland China and and largely fueled by the media because you know it's it's often reported here with a particular media lens you know like for the average American understanding of pro- Hong Kong protests if they just got their information from the mainstream media they will only understand it as you know these brave plucky young Hong Kong protesters standing up to this big bad authoritarian China for their rights and freedom and democracy basically everything that sounds good right and and, yep. and, and that's probably what Morales thought too um, but it, it's view this whole Hong Kong protest is viewed very differently in China and we have talked about this on the show before uh, between me and you we you know specifically with that very ugly airport Occupy Airport episode where um, you know the Hong Kong protesters illegally detained, uh, zip tied, and beaten two mainland travelers in the Hong Kong airport for hours, and you know beat one of them into unconsciousness a couple of times, and even prevented paramedics from reach him, and and that whole episode was live streamed. And it was live streamed inside mainland China too, because it, I believe it was main live. It was live streamed on CNN, and many people don't know this, but CNN is actually not blocked inside China. People can yeah. see and watch. And my mainland cousin, in in you know, sitting in his home in, in his, his computer, watched this happening unfold in real time. And he was, he told me afterwards, the day after, he told me it was really hard for him to process. And, you know, what he told me was like, how, how could a Chinese person in Chinese, on Chinese territory being illegally detained, beaten, you know, like in broad daylight, live broadcast all over the world for hours and hours on end and, and with nobody to stop, put a stop to that. And, and, and that's how most mainland Chinese saw the Hong Kong protest. They saw the really ugly nativism, really ugly attacks against the mainlanders or for people who were just speaking Mandarin. And, 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 and their understanding is totally different from the American understanding of the Hong Kong protest. And I think, uh, and I'm pretty sure Moral doesn't understand that. Uh, but your explanation, I think, actually makes a lot more sense. Yeah. That he yeah. was taking a safe, safe stance. He thought he was taking a safe stance, but he really right. like corporate executives are stupid. You know, they know what, in general, general principles of what they can tweet from like their official accounts or what they can't. So, given that he has absolutely no history of political tweets. You know, he was silent on Kaepernick. He could be silent on, like, the, the scandal around Bob McNair, the Houston Texans owner, which is in his city. You know, he, he didn't talk about any of those things. So it, it would be really strange for him to have a sudden road to Damascus moment. Uh, you know, you know, this Hong Kong thing, this has really inspired me to get into <laughs> politics. I, I don't think that. Yeah. And I think he probably, then he probably didn't, also didn't expect the reaction from all the major fans of NBA. Because, you know, NBA, like I said before, China is a huge 
multi-billion market for NBA and, and NBA spent years to cultivate that relationship and to do marketing inside China. And and this comes like right before a big publicized NBA game in China, you know, to, to be put, to play in Shanghai. And there were like advertisement everywhere, you know, there was a big public campaign and then suddenly this. And and I you know, to be honest, I was actually surprised, you know, like I I, I saw this like firsthand on Twitter, uh, because I, I follow a bunch of Hong Kongers for the, you know, more updates on the Hong Kong protests. And one Hong Konger just tw- just quote tweeted Moral and says, oh, I'm just, uh, he deleted his uh, uh, previous co- uh, tweet, but I'm just here to see the comments. And it was like, it was his latest tweet, which has nothing to do with Hong Kong protests anymore. But in the, there was a huge comment thread of basically just a, battle between like mainland Chinese people who probably got on VPN to get over the firewall and the Americans and the Hong Kongers and the supporter of the Hong Kong protest. And it's a big shit show. And 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 now I I did not expect how big actually it got blown up. And now it like within like days, it was certainly big news everywhere. Everybody was tweeting it. Uh, uh, is that something like were you surprised by that yeah well yes and no I think it it is surprising that something basketball related has become such a big issue in Twitter but in the context of you know the the larger trade war decoupling or conflict that we're seeing like it it makes sense you know it's being used by a lot of politicians who normally don't really care about basketball as kind of a proxy to speak on other issues Right, like people are using this and say, ah, you know, see, this is China exporting censorship to American companies. You know, there's the NBA. I think they told some people to take off like some pro protester shirts at a preseason game, something like that. You know, examples like that been brought up by Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz, Josh Hawley, bunch of centers. So it's being used just as a as a way to talk about other issues. Like, it's not so much just about the NBA. Anymore. Yeah, I mean, like, for years I have seen the media is trying to promote a certain narrative that somehow China is exporting its authoritarianism and censorship abroad, right? I mean, like, it it didn't really, I don't know how much of that stuck, but, you know, they keep on pushing it, pushing it. Um, I mean, I, I said this on Twitter, I mean, like, no matter what you think about Chinese policies, most people who are affected by the Chinese policies are actually the Chinese people in China, right? And like, those are the group of people that the Chinese policies are designed for. You know, China don't actually have too much interest, you know, unlike United States, to, to, to like, to, uh, to really police outside of its borders. But, you know, like, there are some things that China care for. It's like something that uh, maybe infringe on, on on Chinese sovereignty, right? Because you know there there have been instances where where China uh, put pressure on, say, businesses or airlines who who uh, you who listed Taiwan or Hong Kong as a separate territory from China, um, you know, because it's a Chinese sovereignty issue, right? I mean, but yeah. but but those are often 
um, being in the in portrayed in the West as as a way of China impose its will on on the rest of us. And and this is I think it's a hot button issue for U.S. too because it's freedom of speech, right? And then it's the big bad China, right, infringing upon the American freedom of speech. But this is I I I, I just think it's hypocritical because. Look at what happened to Copernic, man. I mean, and 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 after the, all the the fallout, uh, you know, I actually didn't expect the 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 fallout moral to 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 grow bigger because uh, you know when when the NBA tried to do damage control, um, the the whole thing just got blew up bigger and bigger. <laughs> and did you want to talk about that, or maybe give a brief timeline of? Uh, of what happened afterwards? Yeah, so, well, first of all, the Houston Rockets owner quote tweeted that, oh, this doesn't represent Houston Rockets organization. And Maury deleted his tweet. He, he wrote, like, an apology in the NBA issued a statement, something like trying to kind of please both sides. Like, oh, you know, we stand for freedom of expression, but, you know, this doesn't stand for the league or so on. And, and it really didn't make anyone happy, right? Like, uh, the Chinese uh, side on Weibo and stuff. Oh, you know, that's not enough. um, What, you aren't going to do anything about Maury? And then the U.S. uh, senators and politicians accused the NBA of, uh, you know, uh, kowtowing, which is a word we see a lot nowadays, to to China, too. And then it's just kind of gone from there. Of course, like, you know, other players have spoken out, too, most notably LeBron James and then Enos Cantor, and that kind of, you know, kept kept the story going yeah yeah and and also the um and also so okay i i personally don't agree with some of the more radical demands on the chinese fan base i mean like about firing of moray i mean like you said something stupid like make your make your voice heard i think it should uh nba should be put on notice on 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 um, you know how the Chinese fan base feel about certain issues, but uh, I I don't I don't think more <laughs> should be fired over the tweet, and I don't I don't I, I and I think you know the the decision of the Chinese uh, state media uh, CCTV to to stop broadcasting NBA shows for I don't know for like a couple rounds or something I I think that was a little bit too much I mean. Um, uh, I mean, like, like I and and also I think it's more grandstanding also because at the end of the day, NBA does have a a, a product, a service that people want. I mean, the NBA is super popular in China. You know, people will still go watch the NBA games. Um, in fact, the the NBA game in Shanghai that just happened a few days ago that was very well attended. It was it was actually full. You know, like. People still go watch. I mean, a lot of there were a lot of uh, people who were urging boycotting NBA. They were disappointed, but I mean, come on, NBA is NBA. It's a sports. People love love watching basketball. Let them enjoy their game, right? And I I I I I, I, I do believe the politics should be left out of it. Um, but but you know that's not going to happen in today's environment. And 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 I do want to make a comment also about. You know, you know, there are some more 
uh, radical comments from from the from the Chinese fans, angry and more too. I mean, there 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 are people who who were who were say posting things on 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 uh, on social media say we we stand with 9/11, right? And that they think that was a way to to um to somehow to get back, but uh, you know, again, that's like kind of uh, you know speaks to more like the kind of the the, the gap in perception in, in China and 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 West because in China what they their understanding of the Hong Kong protest is attacking on mainlanders, attacking on the mainland Chinese identity, right? And and this, they they saw that in in a way that they would think how Americans would view 9-11, right? But Americans would not view it the same way. And 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 at the end of the day, there's a lot of ignorant people in the United States and there's equal amount <laughs> or equal percentage of ignorant people in China, you know, who are loudmouth and say stupid things. So um, you know, like like I but the media I think plays a uh, not does such a great role in this, you know, like well, what I see in the Western media reporting of this event, you know, they're trying to, they're trying to highlight all these, uh, these, this uh, heated comments from the Chinese social media or, or, or the Chinese users who post on Instagram, you know, like, like really just, just keep on highlighting the, the big bad China aspect. All these Chinese are just, 1.3 billion of brainwashed nationalistic people who are who are like so anti-West, right? I mean that that's 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 where we are right now today, unfortunately. And uh, you you want to talk about the King James uh, comment and and the backlash? Yeah, sure. So before before I talk about James, I do want to say that you know this Kaepernick is a more recent example, but there's always been this censorship in like sports league in the US. So I don't know if you know this player, Craig Hodges, but he won the three point shooting contest three times. He won two championships with the Chicago Bulls. He was on the Jordan team. He was really good as a role player. Like you know he wasn't maybe a superstar, but he was a very, very good player. Um, and after the Bulls in the nineties too, like no team would give him a tryout even though you know, he's probably the best three-point shooter at that point. And that was because he was a very political guy. You know, when they met George H.W. Bush at the White House, you know, he brought a letter with him you know, protesting the American government's treatment of minorities. You know, so he, he ended up actually suing the NBA for blackballing him because he said, like, look, you know, no, no team, they all conspire together to lock me out. So incidents like this have happened you know, years and decades in the past, too. So it's, or, or Dixie Chicks, you know, when Dixie Chicks were, were against uh, George W. Yeah, Bush. Absolutely. I remember that. I was, I think, in high school or something like that, you know, in Kansas, you know, Dixie Chicks country. Very popular group there. People, oh my God, I'm so mad about it. Uh, so it's, it happens in America too, but in the U.S., people are really good at convincing themselves that it's about something else. Like with Kaepernick, you know, most people say, oh, that's actually because Kaepernick is not that good of a quarterback, you know? It actually makes... Go ahead, sorry. Hello? 
So, you know, Americans are very good at this. Um, and that's why they feel very confident in that, you know, the NBA should stand for free speech because all of these incidents, you know, they just ignore it or, or say that it actually wasn't about freedom of speech at all. It was a pure sporting issue. So, um, want to set that context, but LeBron is, um, has been very active, uh, politically, you know, actually, I think the NBA, the players there have been some of the most outspoken politically in the last uh, decade or so. Um, when Eric Garner was killed by the New York police, you know, his last words were, I can't breathe. And I remember very clearly, because he was a player on my favorite team, Derek Rose was one of the first to wear the I can't breathe shirt in warm-up. And he got a lot of criticism for that. But then, you know, other players did it too, including LeBron. Like a bunch of other players started wearing this shirt before the game to make a statement. And and people were very upset with him back then. There was a lot of people telling him to shut up and dribble. And so those same people today are taking LeBron's comments that he said, oh, Daryl Morey wasn't educated on this subject. He should have done more research. He should have done more learning before tweeting about it, which, you know, is, seems like a relatively benign statement. But people are calling LeBron a hypocrite because, you know, he's made political statements in the past. And I think it's a very reasonable statement to make. I don't think Mora is very educated about the situation in yeah. Hong Kong. Well, you uh, see the comments. People are saying, oh, LeBron didn't go to college. LeBron's uneducated. And, you know, the, the racism really jumps out. But LeBron's been to China, like, what, 20 times or something? He said, like, he, he's been here many times. You know, he feel like he's still got a lot to learn. He's not going to speak about things. He doesn't know about. He talks about police yeah. brutality in the U.S. because that's close to him. He knows about it. You know, he feels confident in, in taking a stand on it. And I think that's a pretty pretty consistent position. Yeah, and I already see, like, on, by some right-wing people on t- Twitter, they posting that meme of, uh, of the American black uh, <laughs> athletes kneeling, right, uh, for the American flag, taking a knee for American flag, but uh, pledge allegiance to the Chinese flag, right? I'm like, I, I, I how is that even? I, I, I mean, like, it's again. I, I think there's this, like, this always is hidden undercurrent of racism at play, right? I mean, like, like, oh, I mean, why would they? You know, they have total legitimate reason to to take a knee. You know, like they you. you why would they, why would they not take a knee and 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 why would they uh, you know make comments on on China that they are not they don't know anything about you know like LeBron James said you know that's a very reasonable statement to make uh, but but again you know of course Americans uh, average American reader of NYT and WAPO knows best about China, right? Because they, 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 yeah, they, and they can... you see some of the slogans they've painted in Hong Kong. I, I this one was very memorable because um, it was in English and it said, "Who to call when the police murders in Hong Kong?" And I imagine like you know the the NBA players protesting like the killing of Eric Gardner by the New York police, like. What would their reaction to a slogan like that be when no one has died in Hong Kong? The Hong Kong police haven't killed anyone. They've had to make up like, oh, they're they're secretly suiciding people. Come on, you know, it's I I imagine it must be enraging for someone, you know, 
fighting against brutality in the U.S., where there are so many cases of the police that straight up executing people. And the Hong Kong protesters like, oh, yeah, it's bad here, too. The police are killing us all. They're faking suicide. Right? It's, I, I, I can imagine there must be some frustration. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. Um, that's my dog and letting him, letting him in because I locked him out for the podcast. Um, yeah, so I, it, the Hong Kong is a different, whole different shit show. I mean, uh, like right now, like you said, the, the, the death at the hands of the police action is zero. So people are actively looking for ways to create martyrs. You know, like there's all different rumors about police killing people in the train station in on August 31st. That's supposedly that's like almost two months ago now, except no family member has come forward to claim claim their their loved ones. They don't have a they don't have any names, you know. It, it, there's like zero evidence, but it doesn't matter. And and then there's yeah. also like, yeah, there's there's a girl's body was found uh, in the harbor, and now they claim, oh, it must be the police killed her. But then they, and these uh, are the same people who will call you conspiracy theorists if you think Epstein may have been killed by you know the government or. Or in the Dallas PD killed the witness in the Amber Geiger case. You know, people say, oh, that's conspiracy theory. But somehow, the Hong Kong Police Department can pull that off hundreds of times, you know, in like a couple of weeks. So it's, it's some amazing cognitive dissonance. Like, you really think the Hong Kong police are that confident that they could pull off, like, that insidious and widespread an operation? I don't know. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean... I I I don't know I I don't know what to say about this point. I mean it's it's just especially when people like um, you know Kyle Bass, Marco Rubio, um, you know uh, the the so-called retired general Spalding, all these usual <laughs> suspects start showing up on Twitter and, and tweeting about it, and and uh, it's just a, such a shit show. <laughs> this is this is a state of U.S. China relationship right now, unfortunately, and 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 uh, they have a lot of uh, you know they have a lot of supporters on Twitter because I guess the U.S. media does a pretty good job <laughs> convincing. Yes, they people. do, and it's an opportunity for everyone to make themselves feel like South Park, for example, right? It's I think the show yes. probably peaked in its relevancy in America, maybe in like the early two thousands or so. And, yeah. you know, they're searching for a new bit. And they're like, hey, you know what? Let's let's go attack China, right? And then we're going to get censored in China, which isn't really a big deal for us to replace the American market. But it's going to make us look, you know, real, real cool, real, real anti-authoritarian China. And so, you know, they did that. Yeah, and they were obviously very he, successful. I don't think his South Park is even legally distributed in China. I mean, there yeah, it's might just be on like pirated websites. Like I know people who've watched it in Nanfang and you search it on Baidu, you can find results, but it's all like pirated stream websites. So people know of it. Yeah. People have seen it. I played the South Park video game in China. I've seen that too, but it's not, you know, it's it's not a market for them, and they know that. Yeah, I mean. It's- Exactly, they're not making money off it. Not unlike NBA, right? And at the end of the day, a lot of the people accusing NBA of, you know, basically 
selling out their principles for money. Uh, they're basically critiquing critiquing capitalism. I mean, <laughs> this is U.S. This is this is U.S. Man, this is what are we talking about here? Uh, this is you know this is a capitalist democracy here. You know we. we <laughs> but really, it's just capitalism. I mean, the 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 whole, you know, appease your customer base. You know, don't piss off your largest customer base. That's just uh, that's just good business. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I, yeah, I honestly think a lot of this um, controversy is very hypocritical, and uh, and 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 uh, I, you know, I I think I said something thing on twitter is like what like are you guys all turning communists now like are turning socialists uh, uh, anti-capitalism i mean come on nba is is in the game to make money it's a business and and it, it will it will be bad business to piss off you know one one large chunk of your customer base i mean it's just it's so simple but no it's it's an opportunity for everybody to make grandstanding because it's it's cost free, right? And it's it it, it, it make them look good to certain populate segment of the population. <sighs> yeah, I I think uh, <laughs> I don't even know what to say at this point. Do you have more to add? I I don't know, but I think it will probably blow over soon. Um. And they'll move on to other examples. I don't know, maybe some movie. Um, actually, speaking of movies, you know, we, we talk about how China is sensitive to what they call like what uh, infringements of Chinese sovereignty. But that's that's by far not unique to China. That new cartoon movie, Abominable. I saw a preview for it uh, the other day at the theater. Apparently, that's been banned in Vietnam for fulfilling the nine dash line. Uh, the Chinese oh, stuff, yes. China. So look, like yes. other countries are gonna do it too. Uh, India doesn't yeah, allow that. Yes, because there's a because there's a the, in the in the movie in the Disney China co-production. Uh, is it called Abominable or Yeti? Uh, it's Abominable in English. Maybe it's Yeti. Oh, okay. And, and the the uh, so the girl was looking at a map in her room. I mean, the girl is a Chinese girl in Shanghai, and. And of course, the map is a map of China printed in China. This is animation, by the way, and and it shows, you know, as all Chinese map, the, the so-called nine dash line, which shows the Chinese claim around South China Sea, and that's a big no-no in Vietnam, right? Because Vietnam is also one of the claimant to the South China Sea. So, so that's the yeah. reason why it was banned <laughs> in Vietnam. The movie is now being pulled off uh, from all Vietnamese cities. Yeah. yeah. And you know, if there was a movie that that shows like Jammu and Kashmir is disputed, I'm pretty sure India can allow that either. I mean, they banned maps that that don't show like the full Indian claim already. So I think this is just because you know these a lot of countries you know aren't that secure in like these countries. There's there's been a history of colonialism. There's been a history of other powers trying to like, take their land. So. They're more sensitive these things. What are the United States? Yeah, the United States wouldn't get upset if someone was like, ah, Hawaiian independence. It's the U.S. is the world superpower. They feel very secure about it. And it's easy to laugh things off you know, from that position. But, I, uh, you know, for, for countries like China, Vietnam, and India, it's, 
this stuff is probably a little bit more recent. And understandably, these countries care a lot more about territorial sovereignty than the U.S. might. Because, like, you know, what the U.S., you know, you know who's going to come and take Alaska? They're not afraid. Um, and they have yeah, no it, just, it just shows that, it just, for another side, it shows the lack of understanding of other people's history and, you know, the other people's point of view. And, and you know, but a lot of the, U.S. liberal media portray something like, oh, this is somehow like the Chinese backwardness or their, you know, nationalistic mindset. And, and, and again, you know, like they, they don't highlight the same fact in other countries because guess what? The other countries are not uh, considered a peer competitor to the United States in the 21st century by the Pentagon. So, <laughs> so China yeah. gets, gets uh, the blame. And, and that's great. I mean, there's, and it's it's uh, you know, as as Chinese American, I mean, this is, I mean, I can't I, I can't believe how fast things have deteriorated to this point. Um, this is you know I I always have an inkling something could could get worse as you know the competition heats up between the two two between U.S. and China, but I I did not. Uh, I did not. I did not see it getting getting here this fast. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I mean, it was bound to happen. Like whether Trump won or whether Hillary Clinton won, I think. But um, yeah, it has deteriorated rather rapidly. And I think even if there's like an interim trade or phase one trade deal agreed, or you know, a, a new president elected, or you know, I, I don't think it's it's somewhat the new normal. I don't think it's going to, you know, it may improve a little bit, but I, I don't think it's going to get better for a while. And, uh, I, I've been checking my LinkedIn messages. I get about three to four messages every week from headhunters in China asking me to come home. They've got jobs soon. So, you know, maybe maybe I need to start thinking about that at some point, too. I mean, I, I, I think somebody commented on my Twitter threads, like, you know, what happened, you know, like, how did this, uh, you know, China-U.S. relationship take such a nosedive since the 90s? Uh, I'm like, dude, <laughs> because Soviet Union collapsed. <laughs> I mean, like, like China and U.S. used to enjoy a honeymoon period in the 1980s. I remember that because I, I, I grew up in China back then. And, and you know, they were buddy buddies because, you know, because they had a common uh, enemy, the Soviets. Uh, and then in, in 1992, after the Soviet Union was gone, you know, the U.S. military had been looking for um, like a Soviet replacement to justify all the defense spending. And But throughout 90s, even 2000, they tried to hype up the China threat, but it was not convincing enough because back then China didn't really fill the shoes that was left behind by Soviet Union. You know, Chinese economy back then was nowhere as large as it is today. Um, and I think a couple of things happened. There's the 2008 Olympics. That's when, you know, you know, when the Olympics was broadcasting a lot of American homes, a lot of average Americans suddenly realized, oh, crap, you know, China is not all mall suit or uh, coolie hats anymore, you know, like how they pictured in 19th century or or the early 1960s, and and then you know it's a, it's a American the Great Recession, right? Which 
which I don't think U.S. has really fully recovered from. And, and so there's a lot of economic anxiety in U.S. Um, and, and, you know, politicians, of course, capitalize on fear of people. You know, China became a perfect target, perfect, perfect blame, right? Like just blame everything on China. And, and also, it also just happened to suit Pentagon's purpose as well. Because, you know, the Pentagon has been the China hawk the whole, whole last two, three decades, as far as I remember. You know, I came to... U.S. in 1990, and I remember even back then, China threat was being floating around, and and it's only the last uh, I think 10 years it's really stuck because you know now now China Chinese economy is the either has surpassed or approaching the level of United States, and and at the same time when there's a lot of uh, economic anxiety on the average American part, so. You know, China just become a natural scapegoat, unfortunately. Yeah, and I think this probably would have happened a lot earlier if it weren't for 9-11 and then the incredible diversion that was the war on terror. Because if you remember before 9-11, when Bush first got into Austin, we had like the, the spy plane incident in Hainan, and it was yes. pretty tough time with China then, too. And if we had just continued yes, on even that, before the... Yeah. Even before the spy plane incident, because uh, in a, a, you know the U.S. bombed the Chinese embassy in Belgrade in 1999, yeah. and ever since that the relationship has taken the nosedive. Because only two years after that was 2001 Hainan spy plane uh, incident. That's where Donald Rumsfeld ordered an increased U.S. surveillance in South China Sea. I mean, he purposely increased the frequency, you know, to to provoke something, and, and, and something happened, and, and then, you know, a U.S. spy plane collided with a, with a Chinese jet fighter, and then was forced landed in Highland Island. That was a big news, also a big controversy back then, um, and also opportunity for a lot of the pundits to make grandstanding, but, but that year, later that year, 9-11 happened, and so um, the focus of United States certainly got wholly shifted to to the Middle East. And and I think there's actually a joke, kind of semi-joke in China that, you know, Bin Latin single-handedly, you know, uh, brought China 10 years of peaceful development because, because yeah. you know, U.S. It is a joke, but they're not really wrong about that. Like, it absolutely was. It took the focus off China for a long time. And that focus didn't really start to come back to China until you know, the Obama era hit it to Asia. And that's when they kind of realized that we've taken our eye off the ball here. So yeah, now we're, yeah, we're back I mean, to, to that. Even the Billy, uh, I think it was Bill uh, Bishop, uh, one of the China watcher, he, um, he a few years ago before the, the uh, last election, he even tweeted, he said, uh, Oh yeah, like um, uh, we we U.S. stupidly stumble into the war in Middle East. We you know we give China we stupidly let China you know develop into a a, a superpower. Um, you know now we have to deal with this. I'm like looking crazy. You 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 actually think U.S. should interfere to to stop China from <laughs> reach its potential? Yeah. I mean what the <laughs> but like, that's how it you know, made it harder. But I think it's very hard, sort of war 
for, for the U.S. to, to stop a country from developing, especially a country the size of China. Right? Like maybe you can do it for even Cuba, right? U.S. sanctions for so long, it's not like they can keep Cuba down forever. So it's sort of war. There's not really much the U.S. can do to stop that. So this framing that, oh, is we let China develop is really tough. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I think one of the, the you know, one, one of the things that marked China different from Soviet Union was back during the Cold War, you know, Soviet Union and, and, uh, and the West camp led by U.S. exist in separate economic systems. There's very little overlap. But, you know, since 1980s, since the Chinese, China's opening to the world, it has basically embedded itself in the world system. And, and, and now, you know, like Chinese U.S. economy is very much intertwined, as exemplified by NBA and all the Hollywood productions. And, and I think that's why the latest drive uh, on, you know, trade war um, you know, we even have U.S. officials openly say trade war is not about trade war. It's it's about decoupling the U.S.-China economy. You know, if you really think about it, why do we need to decouple the U.S.-China economy, right? Because U.S.-China economy that's so intertwined make it, make it very messy to, you know, have a conflict with China without hurting, without having a boomerang back and hurt U.S. itself. Right. So their great, bright idea is to force American multinationals to redirect uh, their investment away from China, to stop them from doing business with China, to drive Chinese business investment away from the United States. So 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 in, in essence, they're trying to recreate that um, separate economies, this uh, world system like like back in the Cold War 1.0. And, and that's what the whole decoupling of U.S.-China China economy is really all about. And that brings me to the latest um, Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act that got passed in the House uh, a couple, few days ago. And, and if you read it, right, it, 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 it literally you ask the U.S. to assess whether, you know, Hong Kong complies with certain requirements of U.S especially regarding to sanction against Iran and North Korea. And also, uh, U.S. Congress needs, will assess on an annual basis whether Hong Kong remain uh, sufficiently autonomous from China. If any of the uh, if U.S. find any of the condition on satisfactory, U.S. will place economic sanction on Hong Kong. And it's basically another way of waging economic warfare on China because <laughs> Hong Kong remains a very important financial city for China and placing economic sanction on Hong Kong is basically plugging another hole to have have you know you know to 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 to, to prevent the the, the, the chi, China <laughs> China to interact yeah. with Yeah, And that bill is an incredible own goal for like the Hong Kong protesters to support it because the bill is not going to change China's behavior. Then the U.S. will have a decision next year to make, like, okay, so then do we put sanctions on Hong Kong to treat it like any other mainland China city? And if they decide to, you know, like, look, okay, Beijing takes a hit, the people of Hong Kong take a much bigger hit. And at the end of the day, basically, the U.S. is just acknowledging that Hong Kong is another Chinese city, which I, I think is the goal all along. 
So, uh, it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's terrible for them, but they're supporting it. So, I don't know what to say about that. I, I, I think the, a lot of the protests are incredibly naive or just stupid because they are, there's, I mean, they, what they have done is essentially, you know, drive Hong Kong further away from their stated goal. Um, you know, they're, they're killing the one country, two system right now. I mean, like, yep. at this point, um, at, at, you know, like, I asked people from Hong Kong, right, like the, the, the supporters of the protest, what makes you, you know, what is the specific case that's example of Chinese oppression in Hong Kong, right? So two things that come up. One is a kidnapping of the booksellers few years back. And the two is the extradition bill, uh, right? Okay, so guess what? The extradition bill has been formally withdrawn, right? <laughs> and, and, and so, and, and Hong Kong is actually, you know, if you can Google, you know, Freedom Index or whatever, it's, it's, it has one of the higher, um, enjoy higher living of standard and also, you know, rank higher than United States in the so-called Freedom Index. So, Currently, I'm talking about currently. So I, 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 at this point, I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm shaking my head, <laughs> shaking my head. Right now. It, it, it reminds me a little bit of Brexit and how that's going to force like customs borders in the Irish Sea, which is basically creating an economic union of the North of Ireland and the Republic of Ireland, and you know, kind of differentially treating it from the rest of which is a positive step in my opinion, but that's what this bill is going to do. It's going to kind of erase the distinction between Hong Kong and China and look if, all right, if that's what happens, that's what happens. It's fine if China takes a little bit of a hit from less, uh, less trade benefits for Hong Kong. If that, that can be the place. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I. I don't. I don't know how anybody in Pentagon or in the U.S. political establishment think they can win this. In fact, I don't think anybody have an end game. <laughs> I don't think anybody envision an end game. I mean, you know, in U.S. everything is driven by the election cycle, so um, <laughs> so everything is yep. short term. And yeah, so so we we will continue to model along, and uh, we'll, we'll, you know this this as the shit show goes on, we will bring you guys updates <laughs> as it happens. Yeah, thanks. Um, okay, I think uh, that's a uh, that's a good point. That's a good point to stop. Yeah, thanks for having me on again, Carl. Always a pleasure. Hey, thank you, Swimfei Young. It's always a pleasure. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Um, until next time, bye-bye.